it's really exciting whenever I get feedback that someone read something I wrote and it made them laugh or, you know, it really resonated. Like those are the kinds of moments that you or me as a writer, like feel really fueled by those um, to know that I helped someone, you know, brighten their day or um, just like, yeah, of, I think if someone tells me they laughed out loud, that's like the highest praise. Welcome to You Can Do It, Do It, a podcast with J.P. Camara and Steve Carroll, where we talk with people whose lives were transformed by trying something new. Today, we're joined by Jenny Courier, a writer in Providence, Rhode Island. Now, Jenny, you've taken a lot of leaps of faith to get to where you are now. What do you think was the biggest one? Maybe the most dramatic example would be up and leaving New Mexico to come to Providence with nothing and making it work. And so that encapsulates motif writing and food and the travel and all of that, which I had started in grad school, but I mean, I moved to Rhode Island kind of just for opportunity to see what would happen. So, you know, I know what you were up to in New Mexico, but JP and our listeners do not. What Mm -hmm. were you doing in New Mexico? So I had just graduated from graduate school up in New Hampshire, um, and that was 2012, and I was offered a job as a professor at the New Mexico Military Institute. Wow. So yeah, I was a captain, um, Captain Courier, which I was like, that sounds like a serial. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Please don't call me that, (laughs) Captain Courier. Um, Yeah, and so the students called me Captain or Ma'am. I was like, just call me Ma'am. That's fine. (laughs) Um, And so I was there teaching English for a year, and that was in my hometown. Uh, And there was just this moment on January 1st, 2013, I woke up in the new year, and I was like, I can't can't stay here. Like, if I stay here, this is going to be my life for the Mm. rest of my life. And I knew that I wanted to be in Providence, but it didn't really make sense as to why, because I had no real connection here. I just visited before. What did you do in Providence that made you say, like, all right, I've been there. I've experienced some things. What what things did you experience? So at the time, when I was in graduate school, I dated somebody from Rhode Island. And so I had come to visit his family. They were from Lincoln. And he gave me, like, the grand tour of Rhode Island. So we did, you know, the cliff walks in Newport. Mm. And I tried all the food staples. I was like, what is coffee milk and stuffies? <laughs> like, this is all great. Wieners. Wieners. Yeah. yeah. Wieners. Dell's lemonade. I mean, I got I got the full, you know, culinary experience, mm. which was exciting. Um, but there was this one moment specifically where we went on a drive around Brown campus. And I had never seen Brown before. And we're driving around the green and I just got this voice like inside my head I attribute it to God but saying you're gonna be here someday and I didn't know if that meant like I'm gonna do another degree or like am I gonna teach here be a student like I had no idea but I just felt like I was going to be at Brown someday and then after I graduated and I was thinking of you know what do I do do I go back home do I stay in New England Um, someone had said, you know, Providence seems kind of like a town you might 
be like a good fit for and boston actually like terrifies me i'm like one of the few people who's like well you don't like boston more than providence I'm like no it's scary and i can't drive there i have anxiety um it's intense boston is very intense it makes no sense it's like a three-year-old took crayons and just like scribbled on a piece of paper and they're like this will be our streets um well then occasionally they just like rip up the paper and they like move the streets around (laughs) it's like what is this three-year-old eating Mm -hmm. right exactly and they're all one way now um and tunnels and tunnels yeah and then you lose gps and you come out and you're like where am i going (laughs) um but providence seemed like a manageable city like there was enough to do but at the same time it wasn't overwhelming and you know in 10 minutes i can be on a bike trail by myself like by the water and i don't know something about growing up in a desert and loving the ocean i was like you know the ocean state um (laughs) So I think that was part of the appeal is it just always felt like it fit. January 1st, going back to that, you have this moment where you say, all right, I'm going to get out. I'm going to go to Providence, Rhode Island. Yes. The smallest state. <laughs> Biggest heart. <laughs> you, you had a reason to, to go there, you know, whether it's it's a, a voice or a calling. Um, and so what happened then? You just pack up January 1 and just go? I denied that I had this feeling to go to Providence. Um, And I was like, maybe it's just the East Coast generally. So on the DL, I started like looking for jobs, mostly at universities because Brown was still my dream place now because I was like, I'm supposed to be there. But that seems like a pipe dream. So I applied to all universities in any position that it seemed like I could do and other random positions like in New York and New Hampshire Um, even Boston, as much as I didn't want to move there, I was like, well, maybe. Um, and I was in process of that. Nothing was like coming up. And meanwhile, I'm still teaching. And so I thought, all right, well, maybe I need to at least visit Providence, um, under the context of being alone, because at this point I wasn't dating that person anymore. And I'm like, maybe the magic will not be there anymore. So... I was looking at flights, and they were all just outside my budget. I was hoping for something like in the $500 area, and everything was like maybe six fifty-seven. I know, and I was like, that seems like a lot for like three days. Yeah, it's brutal. Long story short, I had lived in New Zealand for a little bit, and I had a bank account there, and I never extracted all of my money, and I was talking to somebody about you know, how do I get this money? And they're like, did you just go to an ATM? I was like, oh, I didn't think about that. I punched it in. I extracted $500. There might be more money in there. I don't know. Oh my gosh. Um, but I had at least 500 <laughs> And so I was like, okay, if I can find a flight that is $500, I'm going to go. And I wasn't super hopeful because I hadn't found anything. The very first thing that came up in my very next search was five hundred dollars and three cents wow awesome. i was like all right i'll sport the three three yeah. cents i can do that <laughs> probably find that somewhere yeah, yeah that's in a couch cushion find somewhere an ATM you can take three cents out of yeah <laughs> while i was here on that trip um i went to pf chang's to eat and i had uh, actually, a providence staple of course providence staple <laughs> PF I, I still have not been I had heard great things. So growing up in Roswell, like there's no P.F. Chang's. And even in Las Cruces, where I went to 
undergrad, it was like you had to drive 45 minutes to El Paso and there's a PF Chang's there mm. and it was really great. Like all these people talked about it and I'd never been. Um, but I love the Providence Place Mall. Mm. This is like a dream mall for me. Um, our mall in Roswell has like JC Penny. Nice. And that's it. <laughs> um, so I was meeting a friend at PF Chang's. They, it was the day of the manhunt in Boston. And somebody pulled a fire alarm in the Providence Place Mall. So it evacuated as we were about to try and get dinner. Yeah. And that was maybe the first time that I was actually scared. I was Mm. like, what is happening? Like, are they going to bomb the mall? And they're like, no, it's just a drill. I'm like, that's a terrible day to pull a drill. But anyway, so I ended up really liking P.F. Chang's. It's it's good. I was not a culinary expert at that time. What do I know about food? At the time, I thought it was great. And I'm sure it's still fine. I just have a little PTSD. But um, (laughs) so also, again, now months later, I moved back or I moved to Rhode Island and I'm looking for a job and none of the places that I've applied for have gotten back to me yet. And so I have experience as a waitress. So I print out some resumes and I go walking around And I'm like, well, I liked P.F. Chang, so I'll give that a chance. And I walk in and like there's a couple people and they're like, oh, are you here to meet the manager? I'm like, I guess so. And they're like, well, you know, we're we're like hiring today. So, you know, you can get an interview right away. Oh, nice. And so, yeah, I was like, all right. And I met the at the time the manager's name was Chris Brown. And, yeah, I had an interview, and that was my very first job when I came to Rhode Island. That is quite the, yeah, it's like everything, it feels like everything that you get a calling about or, like, see something about somehow you, like, fit into, like a Lego piece. It's pretty cool. Well, and then, of course, ultimately, the job that I just left um, was at Brown University. And so it was, um, I had been working at P.F. Chang's for four or five months and I was like scraping by like Mm. I would save my money for rent and then I'd be like okay now I can buy groceries um you know like it was it wasn't easy five months before that I had applied for this job that I ultimately got and they just hadn't gotten through the paperwork until then and so yeah the following January January of 2014 um I started my job at Brown what was your job at Brown I was a research assistant um, in the Center for Alcohol and Addiction Studies, and so I worked on a project with um, adolescents. So from it followed them from middle school through high school, and it was a longevity study. And so I came in at about the five-year point, and then it continued for another five years after I was there. So it was a long study. Um, I'm just going to touch back on a couple previous things. New Zealand, you spend enough time in there to have like an overseas a bank, bank account. account. <laughs> this sounds like some sort of uh, tax laundering, money laundering thing. I don't know. You're like, um, I have at least $500 in New Zealand. Maybe more. Maybe more. <laughs> I don't know. So when I was in graduate school, I took a working holiday and I went to New Zealand for four months or so. Um, and that's where I wrote a majority of my master's thesis was in New Zealand. I was there for a few months and did some traveling and wrote my blog. Is that when you started blogging? I began blogging in 2010. I had read this book. 
it was like something about Mimi Smarty Pants and that was her blogger alias and it was someone had discovered her and compiled all of her blogs into a book and they were hilarious and so I was like I want to be discovered and so I was like I'll start a blog and surely you know someone will find me and I'll get a book from it Um, I was super naive and um, this is why Steve and I had talked a few years ago about branding and I had no intentions of branding at all like it came to you know find a url and i was just looking for something that was not already taken it didn't occur to me to use my name like i didn't even (laughs) check like is jenny courier like available um so i went with my middle school nickname which is Fushi Lu. Mm. And it's like, it's available. Are you sure you want to keep this? It is a permanent decision. I'm like, yeah, I like, why would I ever not want this to be my URL? (laughs) And so I clicked it. It was like getting a tattoo at 18 when you're like, we're going to be in love forever. (laughs) And I feel like it sounds like a very judgy domain registration. It's like, are you sure you want Fushi Lu? Because yeah. like you could get your name. There are no, these I don't names think. available. Yeah, yeah. These, these other Fushi Lu one two three. <laughs> Fushi Lu underscore underscore. Fushi not Lu. Yeah. <laughs> so yep, that has been um, my blog, and I have not yet paid the money for my own domain, except for a couple years ago when I did a joyfulness project, and so I did pay for the domain because I was like, this will make me blog every day. And it did. Um, But otherwise, I've stuck with it. But that's why I've embraced so my Twitter and my Instagram or Fushilu. One of the things that we definitely want to get into is, all right, so you you have this research assistant position at Brown. And then you obviously you've been doing a ton of writing on the side, whether it's for blog posts or personal writing. But how did the connection between you and Motif Magazine happen? Um, so I was actually working 30 hours at Brown when I started. So 80, 80% part-time and that allowed me some flexibility to pick up some other things. So I was tutoring on the side and working at the gym and I was doing a handful of things, but I was on a bar crawl, uh, with a friend that we started at, you know, five, five thirty PM and by eight, 30 or 9, I was a little tipsy and found myself at Hot Club for the very first time. Oh, yeah. And we had this (laughs) bet going, the group of us, like who could talk to the most number of strangers. And so among like the early people that I met, um, one of my friends actually got to them before me, but she was like, hey, this person like is connected with Brown. So I went over there and he was a photographer for like Brown magazine. And he was like, but my other friend like works like he does, you know, writing or something for um, Motif magazine. And I'm like, what? And um, so they played it off as though he were just a photographer, like kind of low-key position it turns out he's the owner of the magazine oh my gosh i did not know that and also i'm a little you know three sheets (laughs) and so um we get to talking and i was like are you looking for talent because i am a writer and he's like what do you write i'm like well 
mostly about my life, but, you know, food and travel. And they said, you know, well, we're looking for a food writer. And I was like, I can do it. Um, and so he's like, do you have a card? And I'm like, no. Uh, <laughs> do you? <laughs> yeah. Do you have a card? Why you're just, you think you're so much better than me? <laughs> right. Yes. I will take your card. So he gave me his card. Oh, that's good. Um, and I did reach out to him um, Monday, you know, with, the opening line of, you know, as all great business connections do begin, we met at Hot Club. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I sent him some writing samples and they took a chance. They hired me to do, to be their pub crawl columnist. Hmm. And I was like, great. And I didn't tell them that I don't drink beer. Mm. I do now. I didn't then, which is why. It wasn't like a rule. You just hadn't really gotten into it. Or? I just didn't like beer. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. That and makes it harder. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I liked wine. I liked cocktails. Mm. So I'm like, I can go to bars and mm. have someone else drink beer and I drink other things. So mm. Steve actually was on That's right. one of my crawls. Nice. Um, we interrupted his date. Um, yeah, you guys did like a Broadway pub crawl. That right? was, yeah, it was brunch by day, pub by night. Nice. So we did, you know, like Nick's on Broadway, Julian's, Grange. Yeah. Um, Have you been writing about food all these years? I did not begin by writing about food. Okay. I mostly was trying to imitate Mimi Smarty Pants, who just wrote about her life. I think the food came in, one, because of the motif assignment, which forced me to find new restaurants that I hadn't been to. So like I got outside PF Chang's <laughs> uh, and the mall venues and discovered new things. Um, and also just traveling generally because mm. I found that one of the best ways to like get to know a new place is by finding like where do the locals eat? What is their food? Who does it best? Um, and then that just like community aspect of eating, which I think is really important. So that's what drew me into the food writing, I think. So maybe about five years ago. Talking about the mechanics a little bit, because I'm sure I'm curious other people might be, how does that work to, to be a writer with Motif? Do you get like a little budget when you go out to like mm. spend money or is it on your own dime or what does that look like? I do get like a press pass. So through the writing and certain events that I've covered, like food events, like Birvana or whatever, I've gotten to go um on a motif ticket which has been i mean that's like you know an 80 dollar ticket or something so it, it has worked out um one of the best things i was able to do was be a part of the taste trekkers food conference so there was a food conference here in providence uh, in 2015 and that was the place where like, you know, food businesses, food tours, like came and talked about, you know, what they do. I'd never heard of a food tour before. Mm. Um, and actually, one of the things I wanted to do when I moved to Providence was create a free walking tour, which I'd done overseas. And I mean, Providence is one of the most walkable cities. Mm. And mm. so that had kind of been just in my head as something I really wanted to do because I love this city so much. I love Rhode Island generally. And so I wanted to like show people around. Um, and then there was this concept of taking people on a walking tour and stopping for food on the way. <laughs> I'm like, that's even better. Um, and so someone that I met at that conference ended up creating the Rhode Island Red Food Tours, mm. um, which I am now a tour guide for yeah. um, a few years later. And that was also where I met um, the founder of 
a program called Writing Workshops in Greece, um, which if anyone listening hasn't met me before, uh, they wouldn't know that I am totally obsessed with Greece, but it came because of that. So I ended up going to this writing workshop and it had this like transformative effect on my life. So I went to Greece for a month and then I came back and I started learning Greek and um, you know, made Greek friends. I did one of my pub crawls for New Year's mm-hmm. with just a group of entirely like Greek graduate students at Brown. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah, we did actually, it was a Broadway tour, but in Newport. Oh. So we journeyed down there. It was, it was a lot of fun, but, um, I think I mentioned like an allusion to Greece in every article mm-hmm. for the following year after <laughs> I was there. And thankfully my editor like still kept me like they didn't fire me. Um, <laughs> they've just embraced that. So working for Motif has had those added benefits. For you, writing is is something it seems like you keep coming back to regardless of what you're doing whether it's traveling whether it's you know writing about food having a personal blog do you journal i do journal um can you tell us a little bit about your writing habit and what it looks like for you to quote like to be a writer i am in the process of discovering what that looks like on a full-time basis and it's terrifying um because i have really bad habits but the one thing that i've done solidly for the last 10 years at least is i do journal every single day so i have like 50 journals um that i've filled in all handwritten all handwritten wow still old school man um (laughs) and so i I have a very like regimented morning routine. Like I wake up and I have my coffee and I do my little morning devotionals and readings and then I journal. I used to journal at night when I was a kid. So I've actually kept a journal since I was like seven years old. More or less, that was a little bit more sporadic. Like whenever there was high drama in my life, I would journal a lot and then I would, it would dissipate. Um, But back then I would write at night and, you know, you'd get the sloppy, like falling asleep handwriting and so I started journaling the morning after about the day before and you know just other things but that has proved to be the most like effective way because I just know that that's how I start my day so I don't run out of time um and so that has kept me at least I have many things on record um I haven't used them all yet um but so that's been a good resource and just something to like keep me I don't know handwriting something Um, and then I've gone through various phases with my blog so one year my new year's resolution was to blog once a week Um, so I did that and then in 2017 I started a new blog called the joyfulness project where I wanted to blog every single day about something that brought me joy or happiness or whatever as part of Um, a project that has gone by similar titles, you know, and some people do like the happiness jar and they write it on a piece of paper, but I needed accountability. So I'm like, if I don't put this out there and have at least like one person subscribing and like counting on me to like do this, I know that I'll quit after a month. Um, And which is totally what would have happened. So in 2017, I did blog I think all but two days, and those were because of, of like... Of the year 2017. Of the year wow. 2017, um, which is actually an awesome record to have because I also put pictures on every single blog, and 
Um, even just the other day, I was wanting to find a recipe. And I'm like, I knew this was a joyful moment because I learned how to make this and it was an exciting day for me. So I'm like, where is that recipe? And I found it um, in my archives. Yeah. So uh, that was a really cool project. But it does require a level of discipline that um, I'm still trying to work on as a quote unquote like full time writer. And how many hours a day does that look like? How many words does that look like? What projects? And I think that that freedom almost like if I don't have something that has a deadline tomorrow I'm deadline driven um other than the journals and so if um yeah if I don't have somebody saying okay well this is due you know tomorrow um I'm like you know do I write a short story do I like write an essay do I write a book and like when is it due (laughs) um so those are the things I'm navigating now Do you find that writing has a benefit for you outside of just like sitting and doing it? I think in terms of like journaling, it's really helpful like for process, like processing things and working through them in that sense. And, um, you know, sometimes my journals turn into prayer journals, turn into like food logs, like turn into like it's a hodgepodge of things. Um, And I think that that's helpful for me to just have a way it's like therapy in some ways um but the actual writing that i put out into the world um i market myself as sometimes funny and <laughs> it's really exciting whenever i get feedback that someone read something i wrote and it made them laugh or you know it really resonated like those are the kinds of moments that you or me as a writer like feel really fueled by those um, to know that I helped someone, you know, brighten their day or um, just like, yeah. I think if someone tells me they laughed out loud, that's like the highest praise. So yeah, it's a great feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have a vision for what your writing goals would become or was it just kind of, I'm just doing this thing, you know, I'm just writing about food and enjoying it. I've always wanted to be a writer who's, like writes a book. Um, so that's so always been kind of your goal. That's always been my goal. Yeah. I'm not like I didn't have the story necessarily. I'm a nonfiction writer. So when I'm, you know, like 30 and I'm like, I'm going to write my memoirs, people are like, okay. Um, and so I don't know necessarily like what that would look like. Is it going to be a collection of essays? Is it a memoir? Like I have stories. Um, and so I, hadn't thought too much about it and then in 2017 um I also went to Greece for my birthday and when I came back I just felt super motivated to write about Greece I had been motivated to write about Greece but it felt like such a big and meaningful topic that I didn't know how to do it justice and so that kind of paralyzed me as a writer and I um, read a book by Amy Krause Rosenthal She's brilliant. Um, She passed away, unfortunately, but she had this book called Textbook, and it's an unusual formatted book. And so she uses like charts and diagrams and little vignettes, and it's an interactive kind of book. And it just, it was really moving because she could get very personal, but at the same time, it was like light spirited and it felt like every page was kind of an adventure. And that freed me up to think about how to write 
about Greece. Um, and so I did start working on a book and that's the approach that I took. And I want people to be able to experience in the way that I experienced Greece that first time that was this like life transformative thing um and to be able to like meet the people and see the dancing and eat the food and so you know I have charts of like you know Greek word acquisition and like frequency of use and like diagrams about poker night and you know fishing on a boat with this like old man of the sea and um and so that is currently one of the projects that I'm working on. Are there any books that kind of inspire you as a writer? Like, uh, you know, I'm thinking of that, that one book textbook, but do you have others kind of about writing that for you are, are pieces of wisdom that you keep returning back to? Um, there are a few books that I think are really well written. And I think if you can model yourself after someone you admire, like that's generally, I think all good writers are good readers. Um, as far as books about writing, I just read Anne Lamott's Bird by Bird, and that one was really helpful because all that inner dialogue that a writer has about, you know, like they just stare at a computer and then they stare out the window and they're like, I can't do this. And then they go for a walk and then they cry. And like, uh, you know, it's nice to know that other people are in that same boat. And she also provides like really good advice. Um, but some of my favorite books that I would love to be able to sort of imitate or that have had a profound impact other than textbook, which I do recommend. Everybody should check that book out. Um, and it's an easy read because half of it is like diagrams and Pictures. vignettes. Yeah. So yeah, you'll be done in like a day. Um, so and sadly, um, Eat, Pray, Love is one of the books that was- I love Elizabeth Gilbert. Good for you, you know, yeah. and Big Magic was yeah, actually- Big Magic's one of my absolute favorite books. That was also a transformative moment of like, I can pursue my dream kind of thing. And it's about, I remember her talking about like dressing up for, you know, yourself in a way, um, instead of just wearing pajamas all day, which is like the default. Like, I'm not gonna, you know, brush my hair or anything. And she's like, no, like, put on nice clothes and lipstick and like sit down in front of the computer and like, you know, entertain your muse, you know. Um, and so, but that was a really helpful book. Liz Gilbert, her writing style, I think in many ways, um, I don't want to say it's similar to mine. Um, but I think that we have a lot of similarities in like her sense of humor and stuff like that. And her travels were what influenced me to travel more. Um, so before I hadn't traveled anywhere by myself before I read her book. Um, and yeah, now I've done quite a bit of traveling solo and so I do accredit that to that book so that was very transformative um right now I'm reading rereading Andre Agassi's Open yeah I saw a post about that recently it's so good and I read it in graduate school because I was before I was obsessed with Greece I was obsessed with tennis <laughs> and basically the same <laughs> I mean same. they call tennis the grease of sports so <laughs> it's true it's, a, it's the most greasy sport yeah it's just yeah. elbow grease yeah. and uh, tennis elbow you know you, you all you know. gotta put the grease on the elbow to <laughs> that's right to move the racket that's exactly. right you can't otherwise yeah. that's right the tin men they're all connected <laughs> um and so I had read it for my graduate thesis that I was writing and back then I loved it but you know it's been 
almost a decade. And so I was like, maybe, you know, my my tastes have matured. And no, it is just <laughs> that good. It is literally like one of the best like memoir I memoirs I have ever read. So that one is on there. And um, yeah, there's a couple other books that I just keep returning to as um, Michael Creighton actually wrote a nonfiction book. Um, so he's the Jurassic Park guy. He wrote a book called Travels. And he applies so much of what made him a great fiction writer, you know, just that like page turning, whatever in he applies it to nonfiction and, you know, travel writing of all things. And it gets a little bit spiritual. And so I've reread that book a couple of times. If I reread a book, um, it means that I really like it. And so I, I go to him for like techniques. And I find that when I'm reading people that I admire, I write better. I recently learned about a distinction between writing and editing. For you in your process, how do you sit down and actually do the work of writing? The better thing is to just free write and then to go back, but I am not successful yet at doing that. What do you find your blockers are from being able to do that? I think because of flow, and so I I don't know if it's just like a perfectionistic thing and so I just you know will go back to the beginning of the paragraph or whatever like if I get stuck or I delete something and then I'm like okay where was I and then I read it and then I'm like oh that doesn't sound good at all and then you know so then I'm editing the first paragraph and actually as a motif writer um, the longest it takes me forever to get like that opening paragraph or like that intro and then once I do that the rest of the article flows but it's just like something about setting it up just right um and then I think once that's in place then I become a much better writer of just like free-flowing getting it out there we've talked a lot about writing we've talked a lot about um your background I want to know about food writing specifically it is important I think to have a strong sense of place and a strong sense of what stood out about certain dishes. Um, and I'm not one of those people who like trashes restaurants sure. either. Like I, I don't want to be that kind of reviewer. So, and traveling I think has turned out to be similar. Um, but I'm trying to be better now about writing down details that I think I'm just going to remember. And then yeah. I don't. So um, having those in my journal has been helpful, but also being more cognizant of writing down those little moments because that's what makes your writing, you know, stand out a lot more and be more authentic. It's more of an experiential process and how does that change me as a traveler? And those are the sorts of questions that I'm really interested in and like personal dynamics and meeting people. Like what is it like to be a local in this place and or to be welcomed into a place by locals and what is that experience like and that is one of the most rewarding things about traveling um and just noting that you know the comparisons and contrasts between what it's like to be here in Rhode Island USA versus you know in Sri Lanka on in a you know tuk-tuk I just recently submitted a story about like a little girl that I met on a train in Sri Lanka and we exchanged notes in my notebook, which is awesome because then I still have a log of all the things that, you know, we wrote about. Um, and so that was a really rewarding experience. So just trying to capture those moments and bring them 
to other people is something I enjoyed. So you've taken the leap into doing this full time. Like what what drove you to finally make that decision? So my job at Brown was ending. Um, and so because it was on a grant and I knew that the end was coming. And so last year I spent most of my time applying for jobs in fields like travel and writing and copy editing and things that I thought would be more aligned with what I actually want to do. And I wasn't able, like I got some interviews, I didn't get those jobs. So I was, you know, crying on the phone with my dad, having this like existential crisis. And um, so he asked what I would ideally like to do. So I told him about this fellowship. I didn't even tell my parents I applied for it. But I said, you know, if I get this, like, that would be really awesome. Like, that's what I would like to do. And um, my dad and all of his benevolence um, said, well, how about if you don't get that fellowship? Like, I will be your fellowship. Wow. Yeah. Um, And I was and then I started crying again, um, like new wave. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I can't accept that. That's like too nice. Like, I don't want to take your money. Um, And so I was like, I I told him I I would think about it. Um, And I ended up not getting the fellowship, which was super devastating. So then I cried again. And um, I talked to several friends about it. And I prayed about it because, again, I don't want to be like that millennial who's like, living on their parents' money. Um, And I was convinced that it it wasn't like that. It was a gift. And also he he was like, I want to see what your goals are, like, um, to help support that. So that is what this year is sort of like this writing sabbatical. Wow. Um, And it's actually way more intense than if I had gotten money from the state because now I'm like – I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't let my dad down. Um, so yeah, that's that's what has enabled me to have this opportunity, which I'm very thankful for. And I know it's um, a pretty rare opportunity. So I'm trying to make the most of it. And which is why it's really horrifying when I'm yeah. like, I don't know how to schedule my day. Like, where are the muses? Like, I've dressed up. I've put the lipstick on. Where are they? What do you think that your most transformative experience has been with writing? I think the most transformative experience might have actually been doing that daily blog of the Joyfulness Project, um, just because of the nature of the project itself. So aside from disciplining me to write every day, I was also looking for things that brought me joy every day and being able to be very vulnerable and open with my readers about those kinds of things. And that one, when you look for positive things, obviously you're more apt to find them. So it was a much happier year and that was exciting in itself but also getting a lot of people's reactions about how they like look forward to getting my newsletter um because it it gave them something to look forward to and several people said you know even my mom was one of them like I'm gonna start my own joyful project you know on Facebook she's like writing an update of like this is my joyful moment of the day and I would have friends who would text me to be like hey want to hear my joyful moment and so that was, I think, 
one of the best experiences of how writing can have a transformative effect, not just on me, but like through my experiences, help transform other people, which I think is ultimately the goal of what I want writing to be for me. So, And how does that inform this book that you're writing about Greece? Um, the book is my best attempt as a giant like thank you letter to the people that I met in Greece who really welcomed me. And so I want to have that sort of record in a way of like who these people are and what their kindness is and what it's like to live life to the fullest, which I've seen the best done there. And so, yeah, I think my whole goal in that book and what has been most motivating to work on it is to be able to hopefully get it translated. My Greek is not that good yet. Um, but just so that they can see what they've done through my eyes and hopefully um, feel my gratitude through that project. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was really great talking to you guys. Yeah, it's good talking to you too. Thanks again for listening to You Can Do It, Do It. If you want to learn more about what Jenny's up to, you can visit youcandoitdoit.com. If this is the first episode you've listened to, we've got a bunch in our archive for you to check out. Lots of amazing people from Rhode Island and, and around Rhode Island kind of talking about things that have been passions of theirs, have fueled their passions, and uh, you know some things they've even decided to pursue for careers. And, and we're really excited to be able to highlight that. And there's such an incredible community around this show, uh, both in, in our guests and fans and supporters of, uh, of folks who've gone out and done amazing things or are doing amazing things. Um, yeah, so one, one of the things, too, we realized is there's people born every day that have never heard You Can Do It, Do It. And one of the best things you can do for the show and maybe for others is to share about it, uh, to tell somebody else and have them listen. Uh, we've found it to be super inspiring for us to listen to these conversations with local professionals and entrepreneurs and creative people uh, who are, are really just chasing their dreams. Um, aside from that, uh, we have just put out a new t-shirt design that we think is pretty cool. Um, I know there's a, a lot of clothing out there and you can certainly choose to put whatever you want uh, on your body and wear whatever you want. But uh, one of the things we realized is, um, you know, a lot of times there's not a positive message associated with things that we wear and um, for you can do it, do it. That's really all in the name, right? Um, we want people to just embrace the fact that there may be something they've wanted to do for a long time, but haven't gone after it for whatever reason. And uh, it's our hope that, you know, by wearing these shirts around and um, giving them to our guests for every show, uh, that it's an encouragement to people who see them. So uh, we've started offering them through our site soon. And, um, you know, if you're interested, definitely reach out. We'd, uh, you know, love to, uh, to send you a shirt and, um, uh, provide you with that. But, uh, yeah, aside from that, that's, uh, that's really it. Just, uh, leave us a review on iTunes. If you like the show, tell people about it and, uh, we'd be more than happy to keep doing it. Of course we, we really love it. All right. Well, Hey, I went on a little long this week, but thanks so much for sticking with me. Have a great week and uh, we'll see you soon.